Hello and welcome to Mabin FM. This is home of compassionate conservatism in which advocate for a fine balance of sweet spot between individual creative genius excellence as afforded by capitalism and society excellence as afforded by equality of opportunity in ensuring a higher social economic mobility for all citizens inside policy as a free high quality education and business capital value. So in essence you are calling for capitalism with a human face that is capitalism with a human face. So now there are four segments in this uh, podcast. Number one, I will be looking what next for Kenya as Kenya prepares uh, for the announcement of the presidential results. That is what next for Kenya as Kenya prepares for the announcement of the presidential results. I think according to estimates, um, uh, the former Prime Minister Raila Odinga is going to win by the slimmest of margin. So what next for Kenya? I think Kenya must start a new path forward the first 100 days uh, really of the Odinga presidency should be about setting a new path forward, ensuring Kenya is on the right trajectory. And I think we call God Mr. Odinga. He says that basically his signature policy is a universal basic income of about 6,000 shillings per month. That's about $60 per month. So basically, for Mr. Odinga, he says countries such as India and Brazil have vastly eliminated poverty. Uh, with a universal basic income. Of course, uh, some say that a universal basic income, uh, a cash transfer of 6,000 shillings, $60 per month to the poorest of Kenyan families is going to be business. But I don't think that is the case. I think these people are not going to uh, keep this money under the mattress. They are going to be uh, expending this money. They are going to be spending this money. So it will be showing up economic activity in the Kenyan villages. I think, uh, especially in the Kenyan slums, I think, uh, maybe it should be a short-term gap so that we can't have uh, these people uh, maybe i think one of the conditions that is placed on those who are receiving a universal basic income in the in the scandinavian countries or in the western countries and america generally i think you have to show proof that you are actively looking for work uh, so that is uh, how you qualify for the unemployment benefits in america that is you have to show proof that you are actively looking for work and i think maybe this is what we could expand on and i think uh, for mr dinga then he wants to make sure this uh, signature policy does not translate to people who are lazy people who are dependent on the government freebies because there is no incentive to work i think in south africa it is known as the sasa program and some have blamed it for uh, that is the the lazy nature of some poor south africans so i think for mr dinga he will want to guard against that is laziness that is perpetuated that uh, people who receive a, a, a basic grant from the government are likely to be lazy since they are go- not going to be looking for work remember mr dinga says that basically he will lift up 25 million kenyans out of poverty of course he doesn't offer the specifics on how he is going to do this but he says he will lift up 25 million kenyans out of poverty so of course we uh, i imagine that basically he is going to uh, rely a lot on uh, i think uh, he wants he is a social democrat so he wants uh, kenya to be a social democracy such as the scandinavian and nordic european countries such as norway denmark sweden finland and uh, mr Odinga wants uh, uh, that is uh, kenya to go along that direction if uh, kenyan politics was more ideological then he would be a left of center uh, maybe even a far left of center maybe like bernie sanders in america or alexander ocasio cortez so i think for mr Odinga then I think basically 
he wants Kenya to be a social democracy. I think that's the direction he wants Kenya to go. But uh, how does Mr. Odinga build a social democracy that is Kenya? And of course, uh, Kenya is one of the most unequal countries in the world um, in terms of what distribution. I think uh, for every uh, one shilling a poor person in Kenya makes, a rich person in Kenya makes about 56 shillings. You can imagine that, 56 shillings, that is according to a to a survey by the Daily Nation a few years ago that is for every shilling a poor person in Kenya makes a rich person makes 56 shillings so that is the kind of inequality we understand the inequality in South Africa is well understood it is a long racial uh, racial line so you have uh, whites in South Africa holding about 80% of South Africa as well then you have the majority black holding only 20% of the country's wealth but in Kenya what explains the extreme inequalities while you have the Afro neighborhoods, you have a Kibera sitting side by side with the Afro neighborhood of Karen, you have Kangware sitting side by side with the Afro neighborhood of Lovington, then you have and then you have uh, that is uh, that is a uh, Korogocho, uh, the slum Korogocho sitting uh, side by side with the Afro neighborhood of uh, Runda. So you can imagine the vast wealth inequalities that uh, Mr. Odinga is staring, but I think. Uh, uh, he needs uh, maybe to concentrate on the public service economy, maybe have parastatals, government and parastatals. They used to make money to the exchequer, but now they're not doing that. Local companies such as uh, Kenya Pipeline, and I think maybe for Mr. Odinga then, he wants Kenya to be a public service economy with public run entities, maybe revive the Mumia Sugar, Zoya Sugar, and other parastatals that collapse under a weight of mismanagement. So I think that is the signature policy of Mr. Odinga, where he wants to leave 25 million Kenyans out of poverty, saying that China was able to lift 300 million Chinese out of poverty. And for Mr. Odinga, then he says that basically uh, that is his direction that basically he will be able to lift up 25 million Kenyans out of poverty. So it's a wait and see. But of, uh, first of all, let's wait for the IBC to announce the win of the election results. I'm projecting that Mr. Odinga is going to win the presidency by about 350,000 votes one of the slimmest of margins so that's it for now for kenya as it should be while i'm looking at mr odinga's policies in case he wins and i think he is projected to win what type of president he will be a social democrat kind of president so that's it for now now that is a uh, kenya as it should be now i will move over to remaking america in remaking america well, how should republican candidates said what should republican candidates said do to win in november that is what should republican candidates do to win in november so i think uh, the republican candidates uh, don't know what to do with donald trump donald trump is the most dominant figure uh, within the republican party i think uh, even uh, though you might not like his policies but you cannot wish him away and i think within the republican party there's a growing uh, a reception to the message that donald trump is going to make another white house run in 2024 and of course for the likes of florida governor ron DeSantis, i think they are hating their bets they are waiting to see whether donald trump is going to make a white house run in 2024 and of course if he does so then it could be a biden a trump pretty much of course we don't know whether joe biden is going to seek the presidency again in 2024 we don't know whether joe biden is going to seek the presidency again in 2024 but i i, I presume that he is going to seek the presidency or maybe he leaves it for Kamala Harris. Some say that he is too old to be president. I think the oldest American president to be running for office, I think, is Joe Biden. So what, uh, how should Republican candidates now campaign in November? They have coming with them. So we will be looking out for the performance of the Trump and those candidates 
in November given and that will give us a gauge on uh, whether Donald Trump still has a hold on the Republican Party and not just whether the Trump and those candidates win. I think it will be the nature of the campaigns. Will they entertain the idea that basically the American election was stolen, that Trump's electoral victory was stolen? Will they entertain the idea oppose the criti- uh, teaching of the critical race theory in American schools? Will a Republican candidates a campaign on the platform of doing away and uh, maybe even with the racial based admissions in America's elite Ivy League University. So those uh, that is the nature of the campaign we are going to see. And if the Republican Party candidates decide to campaign on uh, basically uh, on Trump issues, then you can know that and, and they go ahead to win, then you can know that uh, you will know that Trump still has a very outsized role within the Republican Party and he should not be wished away. So that's something uh, we will continue to look out for on the performance of the Trump and those candidates in the November midterms and not just uh, on the performance whether they win or lose but on the nature of the campaigns and I think for now so we will wait and see but I think uh, normally the party in power loses uh, usually loses uh, uh, both houses and I think it is projected that the Republicans are going to take back the house and the Senate and I think this is going to uh, make uh, the last two years of the Biden's uh, first term to be a lame duck and, and, and I think uh, you have internal opposition within the Democrats. Look at Senator Joe Manchin and uh, Senator Sinema uh, of Arizona so they too uh, form the what Alexander Ocasio-Cortez uh, calls the conservative Democrats and I think uh, uh, that is uh, there has been an internal opposition within the Democrats, and I think uh, Senator Joe Manchin is godsend for the Republicans. I think he has reduced uh, Trump's. Uh, that is uh, Senator Joe. Uh, 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 that is uh, Senator uh, Joe Manchin has become internal. Uh, that is uh, has fomented internal rebellion within the Democrats, and I think uh, uh, this is something that is uncalled for. But we will wait and see. Uh, to see whether uh, that is the Trump and those uh, candidates, whether they will do well in the upcoming midterm election. And I think uh, that is something we are going to look out for. And basically, whether Donald Trump is still the dominant, uh, the, the dominant figure uh, within the Republican Party, or, uh, or maybe whether the Republican Party needs uh, to move forward. Remember, there is a three way split within the Republican Party. You have the Orthodox Trumpists, those who will take a bullet for Donald Trump any day. Then you have the ultra conservatives, those who Donald Trump threw under the bus, and basically the Rhino Republicans that basically. Donald Trump threw under the bus, they were intellectual wing of the Republican Party and now uh, they espouse such issues as compassionate conservatism and now you have the hybrid Republicans, those Republicans that Donald Trump that basically have accepted the reign of Donald Trump within the Republican Party but want Donald Trump to trim his rough edges to mute his low vibrational energy. So that's it for now in uh, uh, remaking america uh, whether donald trump uh, how should republican candidates uh, campaign in order to win in november and what sort of uh, hold on the republican party will donald trump have on the republican party has he lost his grip within the republican party so that's uh, uh, that's uh, a brief brief uh, remaking america uh, for now so now I will move over to the idea cast and in the idea cast I'm looking at the fastest growing job in America right now that is the diversity and inclusion officer some call it the diversity equity and inclusion officer I'm looking at the fastest growing job in America right now that is the diversity and inclusion officer so what does the job entail the Harvard chief diversity officer says she wants to work herself out of a job that is the Harvard chief diversity officer says that she wants to work herself out of a job so basically she wants 
uh, she wants uh, that is a uh, minority voices to be so mainstream in america that basically uh, she will not be having a job she will not have to defend minorities to be included in the spaces and i think uh, maybe uh, what, what, what do you think about her uh, diversity and inclusion officer i think it's a good thing that a lot of minorities are a lot of minorities are being able to are, are, are being hired are getting uh, admitted to american elite universities but it shouldn't be that that should be a stopgap measure i think the the real real solution lies in maybe in improving black schools in improving uh, latino schools in improving women uh, 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 generally and then i think if we improve the black uh, quality schools if we make quality schools for blacks then there will be a constant pipeline of uh, maybe black hires for american leading companies and and maybe uh, black americans maybe should uh, paint their own empty canvases instead of being appendages uh, affirmative action policy point for many many companies i think it's a good thing the diversity and inclusion of self but it should be but it should be a stopgap mission i would hope that basically uh, that basically what we need to do n- uh, right now is basically to ensure that there are opportunities for black people i think uh, as someone says that the next logical chapter in the civil rights movement is in business capital availing uh, for black founders i think uh, i think as uh, someone says on TechCrunch that the next uh, chapter in the civil rights movement is in and the next chapter in the civil rights movement is basically in a business capital availing i think a study shows that if black founders a study shows that uh, a study shows that basically uh, if uh, more uh, capital is available to black founder then the whole american economy they will lift up the american economy by about four percentage points so that's it for now in in ensuring that uh, that is a provision of uh, business capital for black founders should be the next chapter in the civil rights movement and i and think that is something uh, that we could be looking out for but i think uh, so that is one of the ways in which we could uh, bridge the gap between uh, white founders uh, between uh, that is whites and blacks i think uh, uh, i think uh, black uh, blacks are about a sixth of the income of the white that blacks uh, that whites get that is i think uh, black americans get about a sixth of the income that white americans make of course uh, this is going to draw a lot of backlash from white americans who have held uh, who have held the reins of power in america remember even though america is welcoming of immigrants from all around the world even though immigrants constantly renew america but remember that america was built to be was purposely built to be a european settler state that is america was purposely built to be a european settler state so basically uh, in america basically it is the anglo-saxons that are calling the shots and and for every black that uh, uh, breaks the glass ceiling then you can't be sure for uh, some white supremacists then a white uh, white uh, applicant has been passed over and of course you saw during uh, Tucker Carlson's show that basically he on the uh, nomination of a, a judge on the confirmation hearings of a judge Ketanji Brown Jackson you had Tucker Carlson asking her to submit her uh, to make uh, public uh, that is her LSAT scores that is the prerequisite uh, test for those who are going to uh, that is American law school so you can imagine that for some white supremacists they will say that for every uh, black that has broken the uh, glass ceiling for every latino that has broken the glass ceiling that our t white has been passed over so that's about uh, that is the idea because for now i have been looking at the fastest growing job in america right now that is the diversity equity and inclusion officer that is the diversity officer so that's it for now that is the idea cast 
And finally, in Africa perspectives, I'm asking should be should there be term limits for African presidents? That is, should there be term limits? maybe two-term limit for african presidents so only a handful of african presidents currently have a term limit maybe such as tanzania kenya nigeria and i think term limits is really uh, something that we should be able to embrace so uh, i think tanzania has had a constant change of presidents because of the uh, term limit so you had a jakaki you had benjamin mkapa you had benjamin mkapa taking over from ali hassan mwini that is between 1995 to 2005 then from that you had uh, Jakaki Kikwete taking over from Benjamin Mkapa in 2005 and then from 2005 to uh, from 2015 uh, then you had uh, that is uh, the president that is John Pombe Magufuli taking over to uh, from 2015 to 2020 of course he died in office in, in his uh, first year of the second term and so you can see for Tanzania how term limits have ensured that it is a bastion of democracy but of course uh, then also for Kenya you had the Kenyan president uh, Mike Kibaki giving way to Uhuru Kenyatta who is now going to give way uh, to probably Raila Odinga if he uh, projections are right that he has won the Kenyan election uh, by the slimest of margin. So that's it for now. Now and uh, now uh, we are going to uh, that is a uh, term limit. So you have the Ivory Coast president uh, Alison Watara extending his presidency to 2025 you have alison watara extending the presidency to 2025 so of course uh, this is remember he removed uh, that is a lot of Bagbo from office for precisely the same reason that he was overstaying in power he refused to accept an election defeat but i think for now but i think for now what we need to do i think we need to ensure that there is term limit look at uganda it has had one president you had him seventy since nineteen eighty six and on uh, capturing power in nineteen eighty six President Seveni said that basically President Seveni said that he the problem with African leaders was overstaying in power. So those were the sentiments of President Yoedim Seveni that the problem with African leaders was overstaying in power. So basically now the shoe is firmly on the other foot and now it is Seveni who is extending his unfettered rule and it could go all the way to 2036 so basically i think he wants to be a life president if he either he passes power over to his son who has been in the military but now wants to join politics that is more hosey or basically he or basically that he uh, basically that he becomes a life president basically dies in office i think it's very unfortunate that you can have a president who wants uh, to rule forever and i think this is something that we should be interrogating on how is it that uh, we can en uh, enact a two-term limit and really a two-term limit ensures that the power of a saint is truncated while not elongating the power of a despot that is ensures that it is better to truncate the term of a saint than to elongate the term of a despot that is the basic principle of uh, that is the basic principle of uh, a two-term limit president that it is better to truncate the rule of a saint than to elongate the rule of a, uh, the, uh, the reign of a despot so i think that is how uh, you have uh, this call for a two-term limit in african presidents and i think uh, maybe the african uh, uh, president the african uh, the big man president has not realized that the essence of a great dancer is in leaving the stage while applause from the crowd is loudest maybe the likes of seven needs to take that into account that they have not realized that the essence of a great dancer is in 
leaving the stage while applause from the crowd is louder. So that's it for uh, uh, that. Uh, that is uh, what do you think about uh, the two term limit? Should there be a two term limit? On every African president, do you think that will enhance democracy in Africa? So, uh, do you think uh, we can enhance democracy in Africa by having a two-term limit? And and, and uh, or what else do you think uh, can be the best way to ensure that we truncate uh, the role of a saint rather than elongating uh, the reign of a despot? And I think that is uh, Africa perspectives for now. And now that has been been the firm where I have looked at what next for Kenya and what next for Kenya after the, the closely contested general election, then uh, how should in the making America, how should Republican candidates uh, campaign in order to win in November a uh, midterm election, then in Ideacast I've looked at the fastest growing job in America right now. That is the diversity and inclusion officer and in Africa perspectives have looked at should there be term limits for African presidents. So that's it for now. This is Mabin FM. This is home of uh, compassionate conservatism in which advocate for a fine balance as it's what between individual creative genius excellence as afforded by capitalism and society excellence as afforded by equality of opportunity in ensuring a higher socioeconomic mobility for all citizens in such policies as a free high quality education and business capital availing. So in essence, you are calling for capitalism with a human face, that is capitalism with a human face.